Good morning, and if you have your Bibles with you, please turn with me to Matthew's Gospel. And we're going to read uh, in chapter 3. We're going to read from verse 1 through to verse 11. So Matthew 3, verse 1. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the desert of Judea, and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the desert, Prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. John's clothes were made of camel's hair, and he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locust and wild honey. People went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the river, in the Jordan River. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and the Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, You brood of vipers! Who warned you to be to free from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not think you can say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the tree, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me will come one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not fit to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for these words, and for some of us, some of us these are well-known words, but we just pray this morning that you will help us to see them in the light that you would have us understand. That will be a blessing to us. And our Father, we just pray that you will guide us now by the power of your Spirit as we look at these things together and as we do it in your name. Amen. Well, this morning, really, um, what we've just read is a prophecy fulfilled. And what I want us to think about is that what can we learn from the past that will have a limp, an influence on the present? I'm going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. I'm going to read a few verses there. First of all, verse 1 of Corinthians 10. This is Paul speaking. He said, For I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers and sisters, that our ancestors were all under the cloud, and that they all passed through the sea. And then in verse 11 of that same chapter, after Paul saying about some of these things that their ancestors did, he then says to the people he's writing to, these things happen to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us on whom the culmination of the age has come. So in writing to the church at Corinth, Paul's desire was for them not to forget the history of their nation. Why? So that they could learn from the mistakes that they had made. And their mistake was not to listen to and sometimes to purposely ignore what God was saying to them. You know, when Jesus spoke to his disciples, he spoke of the folly of failing to learn from the past. If we go into Luke's gospel, Luke 24, and again it's a passage I'm sure you're familiar with, but just a few verses from that passage 24, this is 25 through to 7, but uh, 25 through to 27. And on, a, on that occasion, the two disciples who were traveling home to Emmaus from Jerusalem after the crucifixion, thinking that the death and burial of Jesus was the end, 
They met the risen Jesus. They didn't recognize him at first. But listen to what he said to them. This is verse 24 and 25. He said to them, How foolish you are, and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. And then in verse 26. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And then the passage goes on. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. A little time later, uh, in the same chapter, we come down to verse 44. And Jesus said this to the other disciples who were in Jerusalem. He said to them, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms. You see, everything was there for them to know what had been said about Jesus and who he is and what he would do. And God had revealed these things to the nation of Israel. And he'd done it by way of the words of the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms. You know, God has preserved his word. Why did God preserve the writing of the Old Testament? Well, initially, so that when the Messiah came, the people of Israel would recognize him. But we know that many of them didn't do that. So, we see how foolish were they, and how slow to believe all that the prophets had spoken. Now this morning, I want us to look at the last of the Old Testament prophets. And yes, we do find him in the New Testament. During what were the last days of the Old Covenant, as it was about to be fulfilled by the introduction of the New Covenant, the Old Promise, introduced by the New Promise, which was fulfillment of the Old Promise. And for them, these were days of transition, transition from the old to the new covenant. You see, the temple worship, the Aramaic worship, the sacrifices, the burnt offerings, they were all about the fulfillment, the fulfillment of the one and the once and all perfect sacrifice for sin that would be made by the one who is the Lamb of God. And this was about to happen in their lifetime. So you probably know by now who the Old Testament, the Old Testament prophet we're going to talk about. You probably know who he is. But let's just think about this. You see, before his birth, the Lord said to his father-to-be, Zechariah, and we see this in Luke chapter 1, verse 16 and 17. This is what he said. He's talking about this Old Testament style prophet. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. You see, in these short verses, the promise was that this prophet would bring many people back, many people of Israel back to the Lord, their God. And 
in those verses, he speaks about the parents, the parents to be concerned not only for themselves, but also for the future of the next generation, their children. And also, he's talking about be concerned for those who are living godless lives. And the concern is for them to turn back to God, their God, God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. To make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And he would do it in the spirit and the power of Elijah. And yes, we're talking about John the Baptist. The man who will give the people of Israel another chance to hear about the Messiah, their Messiah. John will tell them that the person of the promise that was given to their forefathers has been born into their generation. And John will remind them of what the prophets have said about himself, John. But more importantly, John is going to tell them what the prophets have said about who Jesus is. So we read from that passage in Matthew chapter 3, John the Baptist, a prophet and a prophecy fulfilled. In our passage, Matthew quotes from Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 40. This is a great passage. And the first readers or the first hearers of what John said and the readers who then would have read the words that were written down would know this passage. It would be good for us to read through all 31 verses. But for this morning, here I want us to look at just a few of those verses as we consider them together. So I'm going to look at Isaiah 40, verse 3 to 5. Now, um, now verse 3 is the one that Matthew quotes. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight the desert a highway for our God. You see, Matthew's telling us that John is the messenger, the messenger that Isaiah said would be sent by God to his people, Israel. And verse 4, every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low, and rough ground should become level and rugged places a plain. You see, John will help them, help them to remove the obstacles and remove the stumbling blocks that will then make for them a clear path back to God. Then in verse 5 of Isaiah 40, And the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all people will see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken in his prophecy. Isaiah is telling them and us that the glory of the Lord will be revealed to them and the messages for the people of Israel to be ready and to repent. Why? Because the kingdom of heaven has come near to them. And John is preparing the people of his day to be ready to recognize their Messiah. Now, in order to do that, they needed to look inwardly. They needed to look at themselves and see how far, not just as a nation, but as individuals, they had moved away from the one they knew as the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And they needed to turn from their sin in preparation to receive salvation from the one who John would later refer to as the Lamb of God. This turning away from the things that were keeping them from God is the first step of them turning towards salvation. What God had told them would happen has 
happened and is happening in their lifetime. The promised messenger was with them, John the Baptist, and they would see see and hear the words of the promised Messiah, Jesus. Salvation would come through the once and for all time sacrifice that is the fulfillment of all the temple sacrifices. And this for them would happen very soon and they would see that sacrifice being made for them and they would see it as Jesus hung on the cross just as the prophets had told them. You know, we've got to stop for a moment and consider this. We mustn't get this wrong. You see, God wasn't expecting them to clean up their lives before they came to him. We're talking here about the people who were supposed to know God. They were his chosen nation, his chosen people. They were still under the Mosaic law and they needed to be aware of their sinful state before they could even begin to accept and receive God's salvation. And John was the last of the Old Testament prophets. And part of that preparation was for the people of Israel to recognize their sin, to see that they had turned away from God. And for them, turning from sin was a prerequisite for their salvation. It didn't bring them salvation, but it was introducing them to salvation. And John's baptism was an identification for those who had heeded John's words. And it was a public act of turning away from sin that would put them on the road to salvation. Just just remember that. And we're going to look at that again uh, a bit later as we come through this passage. But I want us to think about the word conviction. You see, conviction, that's what these people were being. They were being convicted, convicted of their sin. And they were being told to turn away from it. Conviction is a formal declaration of guilt. And this, as I've said, was their first step towards salvation. Now, here's a question for us this morning. Why do we not have a John the Baptist? A John the Baptist who will convict us of our sin and lead us to repentance. Well, listen to what the Apostle Paul said to the believers who, like you and I, were living after the resurrection. This is a couple of verses from 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Paul said, Because our gospel came to you, not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. You see, we don't need a John the Baptist. It's the work of the Holy Spirit, and he will open our eyes to the sin that separates us from God, and he will call us to repentance and eventually, hopefully, to salvation. We walk the same road that the people of the Old Testament walked. We walk the same road that the people of John's generation walked. We walk the same road today as guilty sinners who need to be made aware of our sinful nature, a nature that places us under the wrath of God. 
and we as guilty sinners need God's forgiveness. And we walked the same road that they walked. It was a road that led to the cross. And as believers, we have the words of Jesus and we have the presence of the Holy Spirit. And Paul said this in Romans 10 verse 14. How then can they call on the one they have not seen in? Uh, not, let's read that again. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not seen? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? You see, we have the gospel. We have the good news. And the good news is presented to us. So listen to the words of Jesus this morning and let him speak to us by the power of the Spirit. Just as John spoke to his nation Israel to prepare them for the way of salvation. What is the way of salvation? We know the way of salvation. John 14 verse 6, Jesus answered them, I am the truth and the life. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's it. Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. And there's no other way other than through him. And here's the warning from Matthew 7, verse 13 and 15. And Jesus said this as well, so listen to his words. Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. So you and I are not part of John the Baptist's generation. The transitional generation from the Old to the New Testament. But we can learn from it. And the message hasn't changed. The message is still the same. The glory of the Lord has been revealed in the life, death and resurrection of Jesus. And the kingdom of heaven has come near. What we learn from the past will have influence on the present. So what about us in our day? You know, some from the past, like the rich young ruler in Matthew chapter 19, who met Jesus and wanted to know what he had to do to get to heaven. He was one who thought that just turning away from sin was good enough to earn a place in heaven. And this for him, it was actually a step towards salvation. But the next step was for him to see his own unworthiness. And the final step would be for him to turn towards God and trust in Jesus. This is what we're learning this morning. We're learning we can't earn God's forgiveness by being good people. If that is what we're thinking, then like this young man, we will go away sad. And then there were those who refused to listen to the words of John as he spoke the words of God. Many of those who turned from their sin would be different and go on and accept salvation. Salvation in the power of the new covenant, the new promise. That is by putting their trust and belief in Jesus as their Messiah and Saviour. You know, I, I want us just to, to finish with these thoughts and maybe take them away with us, pray about them. Let 
God speak to us by the power of his spirit and let him lead us and teach us. I want to just finish by uh, paraphrasing the words of Paul from 1 Corinthians 10. I do not want you to be ignorant of these facts. These things happen to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us on whom the culmination of the age has come. We, today, the question is, what do we learn from the past? And what influence will it have on our present? And more importantly, on our future? Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for your words. We thank you that you have preserved the Old Testament so we can hear these words and learn from them. We thank you for the New Testament where we have the gospel and we have the words of Jesus. And our Father, we just ask that this morning you will help us to realise that yes, these things do affect us today and they certainly will affect our future. Our future with or without you. So our Father, by the power of your Spirit, open our eyes, open our hearts, that we might know you as our Saviour. And we ask these things in his name, in the name of Jesus. Amen.